What did you find in there that you uh, you thought I'd like? Well, it's that I it's that I thought I'd like, oh. and you might too. <laughs> it is a grapefruit rattler from Moosehead. Oh, I've had that before. Oh, it's good. Is it? Okay, yeah. good. Well, it's like a morning beer. Yeah. <laughs> or a, a weeknight like now, where <laughs> I don't want to get lit. Yeah, that's fair. I brought my own cozy. I got a little lit that fucking Hank Williams night. Like, yeah, there was no reason for me. Also, to notice I said cozy, <laughs> and not koozie. koozie. <laughs> do you say koozie? I I do because I think like, you've said it interchangeably. Well, yeah, but I I I used to say cozy, and then I I hung out with too many Americans, and said who always called it koozie and made fun of me for calling it cozy. Yeah, it, you know it's the same way that I used to call uh, cottages camps. And then when I moved up here, Americans or, call it camps. No, it, Northern Ontario is all camps. And then BC I, is cabins. Yeah. And then I moved out here, and everybody calls them cottages. And I was like, "Ooh, fancy cottages!" And then everyone started was like, "I'd say camp," and people would be like, "What the hell are you talking about? You're going camping?" I'd be like, "No, to my camp." I'm like, what the hell's that? Like, like a hunt camp. Yeah. I would think of it as a hunt camp, not as a cottage. Yeah. Cottage is like vacation. Mm-hmm. And that's what camp means in Northern Ontario. Yeah. And so when now I say cottage to people from back home from northern ontario and they all make fun of me <laughs> i can't win no you can't win cozy cozy camp cottage i got in a huge <laughs> fight with my brother a couple of years ago about this and other people subsequently where i i don't know what the thing was where it changed when it changed but it was always cozy my whole life i only ever heard it as cozy and it makes sense because it's it's essentially the same function as a tea cozy except the opposite yeah. tea cozies keep your kettle warm and that's been around since like i don't know what victorian times or something so it's like the same function for your beer it's like a, a mini cozy to keep it cold yeah it's keeping it nice and cozy yeah and it's it, that's always been a beer cozy even even like molson ads and everything in the 2000s and the 90s it was all like oh and you get your beer cozy and then all of a sudden people started calling it koozies and it I was I bet right you it was some sort of ad like or some it was something corporate probably like something advertising where they started calling it koozie for some reason and then someone picked up on it. It's possible. I know where I first heard koozie was in I'm not sure what song it was, but it's I don't know, Jason Aldean or Luke Bryan, some kind of like mid two thousands the beginning of bro country talking about their beer and their koozies or something like that. And even like, that, even something like simple as that could have done it. Like something that was out there in the stratosphere of like pop culture. And then yeah. all of a sudden people picked up on it. Oh yeah. Totally. And I, I would, I was wondering what the hell is a koozie? And I was like, <laughs> do they mean cozy? Yeah. And then everyone starts saying, well, I don't know. Maybe people were saying it before, but not in my sphere of in, in my circles. And then, now people pretty much only call it cozy and i'm impressed when people are still calling it pardon me yeah the other way around yeah people are only calling it koozie and it's more impressive when i hear someone actually say cozy like it used to be it it bothers me that koozie slowly crept its way into my vernacular like yeah it it shouldn't have ever been there but it just that bothers me that i was influenced by whatever was out there (laughs) well something that when i was having this fight with my brother came up because he he's a firefighter and he ordered all these cozies for uh, some big event they had and he was like no i know it's koozie because i've been through this <laughs> and like i was ordering all of these and everything everybody in the business was calling it koozie etc cetera, etc cetera. and 
he used, and I was like, oh, and this is all Americans you're talking to, I assume. He's like, yeah, that's where, where they're all being ordered from. And then he even showed me one, I think it was the one that he ordered, has a little tab on the side of it, like a brand name that says Koozie. Yeah, K-O-O. So if they're the dominant brand, then that like, makes a lot of sense. Well, I, and this is my question. It's like I Kleenex versus if, tissue paper. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> and I don't know if this if it is a dominant brand or not, and maybe it was always cozy, and then this Kleenex came out, and then you don't call it tissue paper anymore. <laughs> you call it Kleenex, and I don't know. All right, well, we digress. I mean, we could this debate the koozie. This has nothing to do with cheating songs. <laughs> Today's episode is koozies versus cozies. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, our favorite cheating songs today, which has uh, been a, a topic we've been kind of debating for a while, and I'm is, glad we're getting to it. It's weird to talk about favorite cheating songs, because cheating is terrible. Agreed. And it's, I don't know, I found myself listening th- through these songs on my list and really getting into some of them, and then almost... I know, self-aware that I'm really grooving in and singing <laughs> along and like jamming out to these sad songs, particularly the ones that like really like pick up into a chorus or something mm-hmm. and like kick in harmonies and crying steals and everything. I'm like, what is it about this? Maybe it's the dichotomy of something that's like really bad, sad, shameful, regretful mixed into this melange of like hardcore harmonies and instrumentation that just i don't know tugs at the heartstrings it's an interesting juxtaposition between yeah, like juxtaposition sad is. and like yeah. sad content and the music is like it, the country music you're used to listening to and yeah and what i also found cool is when i really gave these these songs a deep listen is a lot of them have a lot of different layers like maybe they're from a different perspective there's so yes. many sides to it all and i, I think we'd Knowing each other's songs, I think we we uh, cover a lot of different sides. The w- the way we do this is we come up with our own list, and then a couple of days beforehand, we we share them with each other just so we we make sure we know what we're talking about. Because sometimes Sean's never heard a few of my songs, and I've never heard a few of his, and we want to make sure we know what's going on before we go to roll. But this time, of all the sad songs in this, it was two of the upbeat songs yeah. that were our crossovers we'll save those for the end so we'll yeah, roll like through we everything the and time. then do those at the end like last time well what do you think andrew you want to get right into it yeah let's do it Country, country music. All right, so cheating songs. What's up first? What do you got? Number one, well, we'll just get it out of the way. I feel like in every episode, (laughs) I'm saying something about George Strait or Midland. And in this episode, I'm also going to say something about George Strait and Midland. It wouldn't be an episode if you didn't. (laughs) It would not be. Uh, So I've actually got a double header to start off with Midland from their new record, this was a bit of a, one of them was a bit of a summer song for me, uh, and I decided not to include it in the summer songs because I knew this was coming up, but there's two songs titled about cheating, uh, Cheatin' by the Rules and Cheatin' Songs, and both are... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and both are really great. 
um, I, I like cheating by the rules a lot more. Um, I shouldn't say a lot more, but quite a bit more. Just such a great groove to this song. And I think the thing that I just keep coming back to Midland on is that this is just more and more evidence that Midland is bringing back real country, real country sound. They're not just adding the much needed fiddles and pedal steels, but this is like thematically, there hasn't been that many songs in the last say 10 years that are just like sad tear jerkers that are all about cheating and these, these historic tropes of country music. And so what we have here is another Shane McAnally and Josh Osborne collaboration. Uh, they're, they're listed with, I don't remember who exactly, but at least some of the guys from Midland as co-writes all on this, but we know that this is mostly Shane McAnally and Josh Osborne and really leaning into something that I, I think they've even said in interviews that they're pretty much manifesting a 1982 George Strait type of song that Midland is just kind of embodying and becoming. And you can, you can see that that sort of writing because Shane McAnally is, I can only assume almost as big a George Strait fan as I am and wanting to, and being as talented a songwriter as he is and envisioning that type of vibe for for a new band that is maybe like aside from John Party the hope to be that type of artist and you, you can really see it coming in in songs like this like the this could have been a hit for either Gary Stewart in the 70s or George Strait in the 80s and it's a song about how to get away with cheating um, by by the rules by not like hiding too hard and somehow like keeping it more up in the open but I don't know. There's all the lyrics are like, don't call me after five o'clock or change my name in your phone. We'll pay cash for all our drinks. Don't need those receipts following us home. Uh, we both got somebody we lost a fire for that ain't no reason to treat them cruel. We're going to keep on leading, keep the secret that we're keeping. We're cheating by the rules. And some there, like there's a couple nods in there to Conway Twitty as well which they talk about the other song, Cheatin' Songs, that is very much, I, I think they've said it or posted on Instagram, that it's their ode to like the 70s and 80s cheating songs, Conway Twitty style. And we know a lot of his hits like Tight Fitting Jeans and After the Fire Is Gone, where she used to call me, in, in their song now here, there's lyrics like, she used to call me on her way back home, but she don't call anymore. And when she's putting on the little black dress, who's she wearing it for? Maybe I'm jealous, wouldn't you be, if you saw the way she ain't looking at me? She's bringing back cheating songs, the kind of hurt that gets you singing along. Something circa 1973, she's lying with him and she's lying to me. She's bringing back diamond rings, slipped in the pocket of her tight-fitting jeans. It's back in fashion doing somebody wrong. She's bringing back cheating songs. And there's like so many references there to past artists and... I love all those subtle nods. That, yeah. And these guys do it a lot. And it's uh, it's a great thing that, you know, you can maintain, or not maintain, but it almost lends some authenticity. And it's not, they don't do it in a cheesy way like a lot of the artists we've talked to who really, you can tell they're doing it to try and garner some sort of... Crank up Hank, crank yeah. up George. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. And these guys do it in a way that the everyday listener's not even going to pick up on, but enough that the initiated listener is going to be like, oh man, that's cool. Yeah. You know, like I think I mentioned before, 
when uh, Midland in Mr. Lonely, like ahead of that steel solo, they say, oh, play that steel, Paul. Yeah. Who? How many people know what Paul they're referring to? Almost nobody. Yeah. And it's Paul Franklin, one of the gods of pedal steel. He's not in a band. He's a, like the top session player in America, lives in Nashville. He was on so many George Strait, Alan Jackson, everybody's records. And that's that's some inside baseball right there. They don't need to do that. Like that, that doesn't happen on a live show or something, let alone on the record. And so, I, I don't know. I love those little nods to legitimacy that, I don't know, maybe they don't need to make them. Some people might think it's a bit pandering, but it's still so subtle that only those who know are going to pick up on it. And it's like, yep, that's legit. What do you got next? Well, I'm going to jump way, 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 way back. And I thought, uh, I don't, I'm not even sure. I think I might have done a Hank Williams song maybe on, on Heartbreak songs, but I wanted to jump back to, I, it's almost my, my heaviest hitter of, uh, of cheating songs. And it's, uh, you're cheating heart by Hank Williams. Um, it's kind of like the OG of, of cheating songs, you know? Yep. It um, is an OG of many things. <laughs> and I think it's probably one of the most, uh, covered songs on my list as well. Um, so I admittedly have never really done much of a dive into like any research on, um, what this song was really about. It just seemed like a pretty standard Hank Williams song. Um, Basically, the story behind it is uh, while he was riding with his future second wife, Billie Jean Jones, from Shreveport, Louisiana to Nashville in 1952, Williams referred to his ex-wife, Audrey Shepard, as a cheating heart. Uh, That spiteful phrase led to a song, which he jotted down during the uh, uh, car ride. And even if it was aimed at uh, the former Audrey Williams, the song sounds uh, a bit more, I don't know, almost, it's in a more of a regretful kind of phase than... Like the, it doesn't sound like the song doesn't sound super spiteful or angry. You know, it's, it's almost retrospectively, um, talking about it. And, uh, you know, so many of Hank's songs, it's just like his pain and his struggle and, you know, his heartache and his addiction and everything else just seemed to come, to come through in his music. And, uh, this song, you know, is sort of the epitome of all that. Uh, this was, I believe, re, uh, released posthumously, posthumously, humously, posthumously, posthumously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like the time I said biopic instead of biopic. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, you did. <laughs> Anyways, put the was... wrong emphasis on the wrong <laughs> syllable. <laughs> Anyways, it was released um, after he died. Um, this was uh, what else was released? There was a couple other other songs that ended up being. It was in his last trip to the studio. Um, uh, Kalijah and Take These Chains From My Heart um, were the three chart toppers that were recorded uh, in the same session and they were all um, released after he, he passed away. So Your Cheating Heart, uh, it hit the shelves in, on, what, 1953 uh, after his death and it was actually a B-side to Kalijah, which hmm. was interesting because it was a, a huge hit for him. And uh, I, I was reading... Because it, it, I'm trying to figure, remember where it hit the charts. It was top five uh, on the pop charts. And it, it ranks up there with things like uh, Elvis Presley's Hound Dog, Righteous Brothers Unchained Melody, and the Beach Boys' God Only Knows um, as uh, songs in popular music that were B-sides. That oh, yeah. They right. were released as B-sides, and then they ended up being bigger hits than what was on the, the A-side. 
which there's only that few because I feel like I hear that pretty often. No, no, I'm I'm oh, sure yeah. there's a bunch more, but I was just naming some of the more popular ones at mm-hmm. the time. And if any of our listeners are uninitiated into what A and B sides are, it's when there were single records released and the the hit was on one side and the B side was something basically to fill up the other side of the record. Yeah, the little seven inch. Yeah. yeah. Seven inch forty fives. I always found found B sides kind of my favorite, but. Just sort of like you would, <laughs> right? Because I'm such a contrarian. Yeah, because <laughs> you saw them at a little bar in Seattle called the Tractor. <laughs> Shut it! You, you said this last. Uh, last I'm gonna keep too. saying that. <laughs> oh boy, it, it hit the charts a couple of more times with uh, covers. The, the list of artists that covered it were Nat King Cole, Connie Francis, Pete Mountain, The Andrews Sisters, Paul Anka, Frankie Lane. Uh, Beck, I didn't. Did you know Beck covered this song? No, I didn't know that either. I don't even want to hear it. Yeah, Ray yeah. Charles, James Brown. You can't uh, see it, but I had an eye roll there with that little <laughs> lone no. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Beck either. I I liked his first album; it was decent. Yes, that's um, true. Mellow Gold was good. Yeah, it was good. And yeah, I want to listen to the James Brown version. That probably be pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Next up, I've got Leanne Womack. There's more where that came from. How much do you listen? Have you listened through Leanne Womack? I'm not gonna lie. I would say the most I've listened to has been since we started doing this because okay. some of her songs end up on your list, yeah, and I give true. her a listen. And you know, I I got nothing bad to say about her. Um, I enjoy. Put it this way: anything you've put on your list, I've listened to and I've enjoyed. Hmm. Okay. I can't say enough about her. I wish, I know she's still putting out great music, but even in interviews that I've heard, she's more relegated herself to the realm of Americana. Country radio doesn't play her anymore. But when it was, like, she's one of the all-time queens of country for me. And uh, particularly of, like, sad, moody, regretful themes and that's really well illustrated and there's more where that came from i think this was um it was definitely a single i think it was one of her early singles as well too and it's just like this like painfully self-aware admission of like what she's doing and that cheating with someone is wrong and not wanting to do it but being weak and knowing that she'll give in again it's just musically it's such a country country song like it's a workshop in in what country music is and like lines like my guilty conscious can't steal my heart's desire just like a drop of rain can't put out a raging fire oh the price i'm paying now is a secret that i'm forced to carry around but the worst part of doing what i never should have done is that i know there's more where that came from it's just like oh that, that that's just like laying out a straight on the flop and it's just like last cards down like oh but there's more where that came from so good and musically like the big focus on the walk up from the verse to the chorus with the steel drum or pardon me with the steel and the drums and the harmonies the steel drum yeah there's there's no this is no <laughs> reggae <laughs> this is not a caribbean version um, i'd listen to that yeah <laughs> i wouldn't uh yeah as usual, another almost genre-defining song from Leanne Womack. I, I did really enjoy that song. I gave it quite a few listens, and um, it's a very good song. Yeah. Uh, you know, you might slowly convert me. Not that I need Wonder. to be converted. I just, or maybe I would say 
introduce me, you know, where yeah. I start listening to her on my own. You've done that with a few artists, so, you know. Like who? Um, well, Midland was one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who else? John Party. Mm. Uh, John Wolf. Mm. Uh, what else? All the new stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a ton of old stuff that we're not kind of on the same page, except yeah. for kind of, like, when did she start? Leanne Womack? Yeah. Late 90s? Yeah, so it's most of the 90s stuff that I feel like I dropped out there, or I was never really into it there, and then... Right. Anyways. Yeah, you kind of ended it at the 80s. Yeah. All right, well, um, this is actually... is 90s, technically. Um, A little Travis Tritt. Here's a quarter. Call someone who cares. Yeah. This is hands down one of my favorite country songs, and it's yeah, my. We uh, talked about it on the podcast before. I, I think windows so. Windows down song. Yeah, man, this is my two windows down. Two windows down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were talking about this. Our new rating system of songs. Our windows down rating system. How many windows down? This is two window. Two out of two windows down. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna come back to this. We were talking about this. Is our? It's gonna be hands down our our new rating system and. Um, you know, it could be one window down. It could be half window down. It could be windows completely up because you're embarrassed that you're listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or just a crack. Yeah. But Travis Tritt, here's a quarter. Call someone who cares. Gets a full two out of two windows down from me. That's a good um, one. He, he uh, this was released as a single in 91. Um, was it that long ago? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Country Club was his first record or his first release. And that would have been because he was part of the class of 89, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I read an interview with him. I'll just uh, run through it quickly. He, was, he said it was a song he had written before uh, he'd ever come to Nashville. He was going through a divorce. He'd been married twice before, and, he, and uh, before he was ever signed to a record deal, um, before any audiences were out there or knew anything about me, um, I was divorced twice, and the second divorce came about just prior to signing my record contract with Warner Bros. back in the late 80s. And he was just basically, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he was just sitting at home, uh, an empty house, or he came home to an empty house and he thought he'd been robbed. He's like, the front door was standing wide open. The back door was wide open. You could see right through the house. Basically, everything I owned was gone. He was just sitting in his living room with two pieces of furniture that she had left behind. And there was a knock at the door and it was the sheriff's department and they were serving him his divorce papers. And uh, he sat down at that point, read through the divorce papers. Um, and uh, then... I, I guess he got a call or something. And at that point, she was basically saying, you know, I'm thinking about maybe we, we did this too hastily. And huh. then he was just like, do I really want to consider, you know, reconciliation at this point? And that's when the lyrics came to him. Uh, here's a quarter to say you were wrong uh, for leaving me alone and you're lonesome and you're scared. You say you'd be happy if you could just come back home. Well, here's a quarter call someone who cares. And he went on to say he wrote the song in about 15 minutes. And he's like, it just came to me. It's a song I never would have considered uh, releasing. But I guess one night he was out and uh, he was at Billy Bob's as an opening act. And uh, in the back of his mind, something just said, play that song. And so he did it acoustically. And immediately the response from the audience was just phenomenal. And he says, I knew uh, there was uh, that we had something with that. If we ever decided to re- release it, it was going to be a hit. And then... You know, 91, they release it, and it, it was a hit. Sure was. Big one. Doozy. A doozy. Two windows down. Two windows <laughs> <laughs> uh, Another song that I think is two windows down, but in a different way. Uh, this is probably the one that I found myself grooving to the most, and 
then realizing that such a slow, powerful song that I was way too into. And maybe a lesser known one. It was definitely a single, and I think it was a big one. Um, when I Think About Cheating by Gretchen Wilson. Um, where to start on this? Uh, the way it opens, like this is what the crying of a pedal steel guitar sounds like. It, it, it like I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast when I think you asked or we were talking somehow about that phrase, the crying of the steel guitar. If you want to know what that means, what that sounds like, this song is what that sounds like. I think Russ Powell was who was the steel player on this session, but it was it's it's phenomenal. And the way that the drums and the bass take it for a walk on the chorus while the harmonies ring and the steel is crying, it's just it's so good. And it's, it's one where there's actually no cheating that occurs in this song. So it's a little bit different than some of the rest of the songs we're talking about. But it's, I don't know, the, the thought of, and well, the, the lines are, some of the lines, uh, some key lines are, I've never done anything that would bring a tear to your eye. I've never crossed the line or needed an alibi to cover up a lie. But darling, I'll admit there have been times when I could have. The thing that has kept me strong is the one thing that is always on my mind. When I think about cheating, I think about you leaving and how my world would fall to pieces if I tossed your love away. Even when I'm tempted by some stranger, oh, there is never any danger. I just think about you leaving when I think about cheating. No stranger danger. <laughs> yeah, it's like such a great song, so powerful. And as good as the lyrics are and as strong as her voice is, is matched equally by the instrumentation. It's, I don't know, it it's a pretty nearly perfect country song. Can I, can I give you an alt take on this? Yes. So, and this is what I love about music is just the way people um, interpret things. Oh, you right? don't like this? You're going to give an opposite? Um, no, it's just an alt take. I actually really like the song. Oh, okay. Uh, my alt take is just on the sentiment of it and that I feel like it's kind of shitty because she's saying that the only reason she didn't cheat was because she was afraid of basically the consequences of cheating. She was afraid to, to lose uh, her partner. And I, I feel like you shouldn't do it because you don't want to do that to a person. You don't want to hurt their feelings, you know? And literally it's basically out of selfishness that she didn't cheat because she didn't want the negative consequence on her. She didn't give a shit about her, how it would have made her partner feel or what it would have done. Uh, she just, her only reason for not cheating was because she would have lost that said partner. Yeah. 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 That, that is definitely an alternate take. And I, that, that crossed my mind when I was listening to it. And that's definitely something I consider in it. I think that what, she's getting at and also what some of the other songs that we'll talk about when we get into them get at is like everybody like everybody sees other people or looks around or like gets hit on by somebody and like are presented with opportunities and you you don't want to take them you don't want to do that and but a lot of people do and then you have all these problems and here's a situation where i don't know if she's been cheated on and then she's talking about what happens when she thinks about cheating. And she, like, because another verse is talking about some situation she had where she was somewhere and, um, like, 
she cut things off before the end of the first dance because she didn't want it to go anywhere when someone was hitting on her or something and goes back into the chorus. You know, I, I guess at any rate, she didn't cheat, so good for her. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> We're gonna t- we'll take it as a win. Yeah, at, at the very least, amongst all of these bad news cheating songs, <laughs> yeah, yeah. at least here's something that prevents her from doing it. Yeah, I really shouldn't be ripping on her when yeah. most of the people in these songs did cheat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I got to get into some uh, some George Jones. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do recall talking about this song this was one of your favorites yeah and it's called uh, her name is and i do think it's it's one of the most unique george jones songs that's out there uh as we talked about i think in that that episode it was penned by bobby braddock and released in uh, 1976 and it's a very obvious song about being with a married woman and obviously it was influenced by george jones's relationship with tammy wynette which started out by him professing his love to her at the dinner table after she had a fight with her husband uh don chapel um but i mean this being released way after that whole situation happened um you know and written by someone else but i just feel like there's a reason he recorded it i feel like it was almost tailor-made for him Mm -hmm. but i love the creativity of this of using the steel guitar to uh intimate the words that he can't say you kind of have to listen to the song is that a steel or no sorry it's not steel it's uh what is it like just a not know. a wah pedal yeah, but maybe like, a wah pedal or some kind of synth or something yeah it's something yeah. synth but it is guitar it's my mistake it's not a steel um anyways basically what happens is he, he says a line so he says her name is and then the guitar finishes the line yeah her eyes are uh, her hair is just like, and it just it's keeps going like, like that. It's redacted, yeah. And that wah pedal or synth or whatever it is is standing in for like the black redaction. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So he knows he can't say any of these things. What her name is, what can't what her reveal her are. identity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then uh, resolves itself with the line of, "But someday I'll fill in the lines when she and I are free, and we'll walk in the sunshine." and me. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. I've never heard anything like that in a Before song. or after. No. Yeah. And it's super cheesy. And then there's this like funky guitar solo. Like honestly, yeah. it, it belongs in like a George Clinton song. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's hilarious. And uh yeah, the last one of the funnier lines is uh, it really is a scandal and disgrace to have to call your woman what's her face. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, that's a great line in that. <laughs> but her husband thinks he uh, he owns her heart and soul for life. He'll kill the man who messes with his wife. So what's her face? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's what's her face. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Just don't tell Don. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, good. Yeah, one of my favorite Jones songs. Excellent. Another uh, so an '80s super jam up next from Reba McIntyre. Reba, I think I've mentioned before, not my favorite. I ultimately respect her and understand how big of a deal she is and like the idea of her. But for some reason, most of the songs she's recorded, whether she's written them or what she's chosen to record, has just not really been up for me, like fancy and all that stuff. Like just, I don't know, probably my favorite song she's ever been on is probably Brooks and Dunn, like has like, the feature on uh, Cowgirls Don't Cry. But this is one that in the realm of cheating songs, I think is a pretty powerful one. 
and it's interest. It's called uh, "Whoever's in New England," and it's it it, it tells this story of essentially um, a, a woman from the South whose husband is a businessman, and he's traveling to New England to Boston all the time, and she suspects him of cheating and lists all these reasons uh, of him staying out late and um, ne- needing to be on these business trips. And it just keeps coming back to the hook that she'll be waiting for him when whoever's in New England is done with him. And so some of the lines in there, whenever, uh, when whoever's in New England is through with you and Boston finds better things to do, you know it's not too late because you'll always have a place to go when whoever in New England's through with you. That's a funny sentiment that pops up a lot in a lot of these songs, right? Is that that knowing but being okay with it yeah like i i I can't get my head around that hell no exactly (laughs) that's what i was thinking when this is like at the end of it is like wait what why are you kidding you're gonna comb to your shit on the front lawn yeah exactly (laughs) you you know that this is going on and then you say okay well whoever's in new england when they're done with you i'll still be here are you kidding me i i wonder and i mean i don't know when this song was released but i i wonder I, well, I don't wonder. I, I I know that I think a big part of it is, and I'm I'll get into some of this later with some of the other songs I'm going to talk about. But I I think it has to do with like male female roles at, at the time, and some of the not so much. I don't want to say 80s, but some of these older songs like 50s and 60s kind of stuff. Yeah, where it's just like it's almost expected that the yeah. man's going to cheat, yeah. and the woman just has to accept it. And obviously not okay. Well, there's but. a lot of like power dynamics and patriarchy to be mixed in with that because it could be powerlessness of finances and things like that too. Yeah. Like if, if you don't accept it and you leave, you know, to, what are you going to do? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but to tie into this song, I'm going to do a double whammy on this spot because one of my other songs, and I, I chose it independently. And when I was doing just a little bit of background on it, I realized that Stay by Sugarland is inspired by, written by Jennifer Nettles, uh, the lead singer, like, and she showcases her powerful powerhouse vocals on display fully here in this song. And it's because it's just pretty much an acoustic song, maybe with, I don't know what's going on in the background, maybe a little organ or something. But and I think this might have been a, their biggest hit or one of their biggest hits, maybe hitting number two, I think. But it was inspired by the aforementioned Reba McIntyre's Whoever's in New England. But she wrote it from the perspective of the other woman. And so some of the lines in this are, I've been sitting here staring at the clock on the wall. And I've been laying here praying, praying she won't call. It's just another call from home and you'll get it and be gone and I'll be crying and I'll be begging you, baby beg you not to leave and I'll be here left waiting with my heart on my sleeve. What do I have to do to make you see she can't love you like me? Why don't you stay? And then there's a couple verses of this theme going on of why don't you stay? Don't go back to your wife. Like I can love you more. And then on the last verse comes in with, so next time you want to leave her bed for mine, why don't you stay? I'm up off my knees. I'm so tired of being lonely. You can't give me what what I need. When she begs you not to go, there's one thing you should know. I don't have to live this way. Baby, why don't you stay? So the turn of phrase literally turns it around and 
uh, she's making the right choice. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I didn't listen to this Sugarland song um, because I'm embarrassed they would show up on my Spotify playlist. <laughs> because, um, you know, this is real shit, man. This is real talk right here. My Spotify is linked to my Tinder profile. Next thing you know, boom, I'm dating a fucking Sugarland fan. And that's going to end badly. What are you trying to do to me? Like, what are you trying to do to me, man? I'm sorry to say, but it might up your game a bit. <laughs> How would that up my game in any way, shape, or form? I don't know. This is a great song. and like, No, I'm drawing a line in the sand here. <laughs> so, like, remember, I agree remember, about like... Sugar Land overall, <laughs> but Jennifer Nettles, as a female country vocalist and songwriter, is amazing. And this song is like... You, you, we now, okay, we're going to pause this. We're going to take a quick break while we pause this and Sean listens to this song. We would Hell just no. do, Absolutely we would just do not. it live here, Absolutely but we not. can't do it. I'm not, I'm not listening to it. No, no, we are. We're going to do it right <laughs> now. And then we're going to come back from a short intermission, a short commercial break. And then we'll, we'll see if he still hates it. God damn it. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. What's the verdict? I can't believe you just made me listen to that. I'm, you know, I'm upset. That's my first Sugarland song I've ever listened to. (laughs) Um, That you'll admit to. (laughs) I'm so upset that um, I think we're going to have to go to... uh, Fist City. Huh. <laughs> Fair enough. I actually we'll we'll, we'll, we'll take the uh <laughs> that, that's a non-admission admission of <laughs> impressiveness. <laughs> Impressedness. What do you know? There's no admission of anything. I hated every minute of that. As much so much so that we're going to Fist City. Huh. <laughs> I enough. I skipped over my other song just so I could say Fist City. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about, uh, so thank you for enlightening me on, uh, Sugarland. And, uh, I wanted to go to my next song, which is Fist City by Loretta Lynn. Um, you would actually, I don't know how I ever missed this song, but you mentioned this song to me at our live episode, uh, that we did a couple of weeks ago on country controversies. And, uh, yeah, I really have no idea how I missed this song in her catalog, but holy shit, it's hilarious and it's really badass. That was released in 1968, and it became the res- original diss track. Yeah, <laughs> big time. Yeah, I'm not the, not a joke. I can't <laughs> think of something before that song that was so intensely like calling someone out, and everything she says in it. Like I've got to Google the lines on that. Like I think my favorite line in it is, "You better move your feet, or you." If you don't want to eat a meal that's called Fist City, <laughs> <laughs> there's like, there's so many good lines. Oh, front to back. Oh, this my favorite is this one. Um, <laughs> you've been making your brags around town. You've been loving my man, but the man I love when he picks up trash, he puts it in a garbage yeah. can. <laughs> uh, that that's what you look like to me, and what I see is a pity. You better close your face and stay out of my way if you don't want to go to Fist City. You better close your face. Close your face. Yeah. <laughs> So good. 
Back oh. when we had a female singer in our band, we we would cover that one. It's a it's a good one. It's a barn burner. Yeah, it really is a barn burner. It uh, it's a standout track in our in our catalog. That's you better for move sure. your feet if you don't want to eat. A <laughs> yeah, meal that's called pissing. And you know, I think it really speaks to her. You know, her upbringing and her kind of it was a gruff upbringing, and and you know, it's a mix of you know stubbornness and and com- common sense that inspired the song, as per uh, Loretta Lynn. Um, I guess well, one quote from her in her autobiography was, "Here I was, fourteen years old, and learning the facts of life the hard way. I'm sure, I've heard." Uh, people say men are bound to run around a little. It's in their nature. Well, shoot, I don't believe in double standards where men can get away with things that women can't. In God's eyes, there's no double standard. That's one of the things I've been trying to say in my songs. And then just to do a quick double down on Loretta Lynn is uh, then you ain't women enough, woman enough to take my man, which came out in 66. And I, I, that's another diss track, you know? She's just dropping disses all over the place. Um, you know, she, again, she she talks about uh, sometimes a man, uh, man starts looking at things he don't need. He took a second look at you, uh, but he's in love with me. Uh, Loretta Lynn said, when I wrote You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man, this little woman came backstage and she said, Loretta, my husband didn't bring me to the show tonight. Uh, he's got a girlfriend and he brought her. She's sitting out in that second row with my husband. Uh, and, and then she goes on to say, we kind of pulled back the curtain and looked at him. I looked around at the lady that came backstage and said, honey, she ain't woman enough to take your man. And I went in the dressing room right then and wrote the song uh, before the show even started. And she played it at the show? No. Um, well, I don't think so. But uh, That would have been something. In five minutes? Pretty just, badass. Yeah, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> the lady's just actually holding her beer. Yeah. Well, I'm going to see your double down on that and I'm on Loretta Lynn and I'm going to raise you a triple down on Loretta Lynn and I'm going to nominate You've Just Stepped In From Stepping Out On Me. And this is one that I've I've liked for a long time uh, musically and again in the same uh, very badass Loretta Lynn fashion. And this is one where she essentially says... Uh, you better stop cheating on me or I'm going to start cheating on you with lines that say you've just stepped in from stepping out on me and brag that you've been on another spree. If you don't settle down and change your way, I'll wind up stepping out on you someday. I like the triple down, triple down. <laughs> yeah. I'll jump back to the song I was going to talk about before. I don't have a lot on this one, but I, I, it's a weird one for me. It's uh, what I don't know by Dwight Yoakam. It was, uh, came out in 1988 on his bonus notes from a lonely room album. And, it's a super dark song if you mm. actually listen to the lyrics. Uh, what I don't know might not hurt me if I stay dumb and no one tells. But if I find uh, find out you've been cheating, well, what I don't know might get you killed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes on to say, well, the Smith & Wesson jury holds a, holds a real mean, nasty court. And the verdict that may pass is never slow. So keep on wearing that little poker face because soon enough your cards will have to show. Super vicious and violent lyrics for a country song, like basically saying he's gonna kill her if he finds out she's been cheating. Yeah, and like it's not even implied. He pretty much just yeah, comes out and implied. says it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's just a quick one on some Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> well, I'll throw down a quick one on Gary Stewart. This this would have been one of the first ones I added to the list. Um, so it's it's top top of the list for me, even though it didn't come at the top of the show. It's she's acting single and I'm drinking doubles. And this song, like the musical dichotomy of something that's so sad as the lead line, um, she's acting single and I'm drinking doubles. But some of the rest is, uh, I know all she plans to do, but I don't know where or when. 
if I ask who that stranger was, she'll just say an old friend. I'm not weak. I tell myself I stay because I'm strong. Truth is I'm not man enough to stop her from doing me wrong. And it picks up into the hardcore harmonies and steel and everything. Just crying in the background as they're throwing down. She's acting single. I'm drinking doubles. That's one of my, I think that's one of the most clever lines. Oh yeah. I love it. <laughs> it just like, it defines like clever turn of phrase yeah. in country music. Yeah. And, uh, I hide my pain and I drown my troubles and then it picks right back up into that. And th this was the only number one hit for Gary Stewart. Uh, but it's, it's almost, a. The whole record uh, from 1975, Out of Hand, I love this record. I've always loved it. I don't know. Maybe my dad had it. I don't know. I've known this forever. And that record is 10 out of 10 front to back, like pure, great honky tonk. And uh, th there's I'm not even going to name the, all the rest of the songs on it because they're all dynamite. Just You're not going to name names? Yeah. <laughs> listen to it front to back. I need to, uh, I need to do a bit of a... Uh, deeper listen on him i'm gonna i'm gonna do that tomorrow yeah there, there's like he really dropped off in the later years but there there's a couple records in the mid 70s that are pretty dynamite all right send me some choice picks yeah well that record listen yeah. to that record front to back and that that'll be the best of it well we can't do a cheating episode without uh with some merle haggard so i uh i found one that it's not super well known but it's called because you can't be mine and then I realized this came off of an, a release in 1967. <laughs> the album is just straight up called Cheatin'. <laughs> and every song on it is it's a cheating song. Cheating. I was like, oh, I hit the gold mine for this yeah. episode. <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> um, but this song, I... Yeah, how'd you settle on this one? I'll, I'll tell you why. From such a treasure trove. <laughs> it's a bit of an opposite uh, opinion that I have on this. And it, it's more... I'm, I'm, I decided on this one because I felt it was... A serious like juxtaposition to some of the Loretta Lynn stuff we were just talking about so it's apropos to talk about it right now so I'm just going to read you some of the lines so you can get some context to what I'm about to say so okay. uh, what makes something you can't have always look so good why uh, why do something out of reach seems so fine what makes you thrill me more than any girl I know I guess it's just because you can't be mine why can't I be content with what belongs to me and be satisfied with what's already mine uh, what makes a stolen moment such a precious thing I guess I, it's just because you can't be mine so I don't think I need to go on any further, and I emphasized a lot of these words, but, uh, you know, it is it is a very good standalone country song. It's nothing incredibly special, but it's just a classic Merle song. However, I thought mm -hmm. it was worth mentioning um, in relation to the Loretta Lynn sentiments that we talked about previously. I feel like these are the types of songs that created um, the response songs from artists like Loretta Lynn, Kitty Wells, Dolly Parton, and so many more. It's that male sense of ownership, uh, an entitlement over a woman, that double standard that um, Laura Lynn mentioned in that interview that I was quoting. And you look at the lyrics of the song, the type of languaging, um, just to quote a few lines, the lines I was emphasizing, like, can't be mine, already mine, I can't have. It's literally yeah. all about ownership. Yeah. And, you know, I guess the one positive to take from this attitude that was prevalent back then is that without it, we would have had all those badass female response songs. Yeah. So, I mean, one cause was you know cause the other but uh and like i said i it's not particularly my favorite merle song um i just kind of threw it in here as some good context to where a lot of these um response songs came from and i thought it was pretty cool that 
Because there was so much of this material back then, and I think they're just out of pure frustration that artists like um, Loretta Lynn and Kitty Wells, Dolly Parton, they all started releasing this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to do something that you might, I don't know, you might argue against. It's not entirely country. There's a good argument for and against. They played it on all the country stations back in the day, but they also played it on the like alternative stations. So back in like early 2000s, 02, I think is when this came out, you would have heard this everywhere. Picture by Kid Rock and Sheryl Crow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a good, like nothing else that Kid Rock does and I know he tries to cross over in certain ways as country. Nothing else would I consider even close to country. Sheryl Crow is also very, alt, was alternative rock before, and now I guess would be considered more in an Americana ca- category. L- listen, but I'm let you finish, <laughs> but, but. <laughs> <laughs> henceforth, so get your get your licks in now. Henceforth, I'm instituting a no kid rock policy on the podcast. Oh, this is the last we'll ever, ever speak of him ever. Yeah, there is a snap track on this song. On this, yes, there is not. Yes, right in the intro. Right, the whole first verse is snap track. Well, it might be them actually snapping their fingers. That's a snap track. No, 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 snap track. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, snap that's the track, original. That's the OG of snap tracks. Which is okay. <laughs> no. If you're snapping your fingers, it's okay. Uh, uh-uh. yeah. I'm still not okay with it. Uh, the bass literally sounds like it's like digitally done. Um, the guitar solo sounds like a 12 year old uh, Guns N' Roses fan wrote it. Uh, what else do I have? I have no idea how this song became a hit. It's awful. It's god awful. <laughs> but also, I'd never cheat on Cheryl Crow. <laughs> okay, okay, go on. Wow, shit. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed to say now? Did I just shut it down completely? Kinda. You <laughs> can you, make your point. You, you deflated. You deflated my whole argument. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I think that the way that they sing it, it, so if you, okay, yes, I agree with everything you said about Kid Rock being an idiot, and I'm going to further it as just like not a great musician, more of a personality, and Cheryl Crow being a great musician and a great personality, just not particularly country, country. This song, and like this doesn't, this promotion or my choosing of this song in no way is like trying to validate Kid Rock or Sheryl Crow, but this song in and of itself as a standalone piece of music, I think is a great cheating song. And it does come, it does come into the country world. It was right for the time. I'll agree with you that it, I remember hearing the song and it didn't offend me. And like they, their voices actually go well together. Like the way that they harmonize that last verse, and like I, I love the imagery in it. Like living my life in a slow hell, different girl every night at the motel. I ain't seen the sunshine in three damn days. Been fueling up on cocaine and whiskey. I wish I had a good girl to miss me. Oh Lord, I wonder if I'll ever change my ways. That's the male verse. That's I, Kid Rock. I, I feel like that's just kid rock just jerking it like, whatever whatever you know? whatever it's like pr- pretend in your head that whitey morgan was singing this i would have said the same thing because it's like it's just some guy trying to make him su- it's a it's he's making it sound like it's a bad thing but then he it's like a humble brag 
you know yeah i could i could see that unless that's actually what's happening and he it's just an honest admission of what's going on and he's having a different girl every night at the hotel and he is just way too high and drunk all the time and is deflated in life and wishes he just had a good woman in his life turns out he does but and then it goes on to her verse and she says i called you last night at the hotel everyone knows but they won't tell but their half-hearted smiles tell me something just ain't right i've been waiting on you for a long time fueling up on heartaches and cheap wine i ain't heard from you in three damn nights and then it comes together for the chorus. I put your picture away, sat down and cried today. I can't look at you while I'm lying next to her. It's such a great song. There's some redeeming qualities to it. <laughs> I agree the guitar solo could be better. Um, but I, I I love everything else about it. Uh, okay. Next. That was the last time you'll ever hear of Kid Rock. Yes. <laughs> o- on this show. Yeah. I mean, he'll probably be running for president or something next year. Um, I wanted to dive into the underground as I do sometimes. Uh, I want to talk about a band called 357 String Band and a beautiful song called Black River Blues. Um, did you get a chance to listen to this one? I did, and I don't want this to sound like I'm shitting on something of yours just because no, well, you shat on be something of mine. But, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I didn't really get what was so great about it. It, it sounded like an underproduced, like trying to make it indie country band that... I don't know. It's. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it was an independent album, so. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and it is kind of funny in the way you say it, because in that world, Three Fifty Seven String Band was basically a supergroup of underground country artists. Um, this band had a, a massive cult following. Uh, they released three albums between two thousand six and two thousand ten, and they broke up shortly after their last release. Uh, and then all the members went on to release various solo projects. Um, so this album, Fire and Hail... Did they go on to start Lost Dog Street Band? No, absolutely not. Um, Jake Orvis, who was uh, in the band, he played, um, I think, mandolin. Uh, he put out two albums, two solo albums. And then he's also in a band called The Goddamn Gallows, which are fairly prolific in their own right. Nothing you would ever listen to. And it's not even considered in the genre of country. Um, but, uh, and then... Joseph Huber, you might like some of his stuff. He's got like five albums out there. It's country, but more on the folky side, but really cool stuff. And then uh, Derek Dunn, who he was, um, obviously there's only three members in this band. There were a string band. Uh, Derek Dunn released one album. Only, 2000. Five me- only five members? No, only three members. Oh. Five albums for Joseph Huber oh, is sorry. what I was saying. Uh, and then, yeah, Derek Dunn put out an album in 2014. All these albums are worth checking out. So Jake Orvis, Joseph Huber, Derek Dunn. Uh, great albums out there by all three of these artists. Um, I've this forgotten already. <laughs> Luckily, it's been recorded. <laughs> I'm not talking to you, okay? <laughs> uh, this particular song was written by Derek Dunn, and it conjures up you know, imagery of sort of unrequited love, highway blues, cheating. Uh, off the bat with lines like, Black River Blues, my cheating heart's been torn in two. I'd love to stay with you a while, but I've got to burn 1,000 Black River miles before I sleep, before I rest, because I've got two loves burning holes inside my chest. Um, there's a two lane highway in my mind. My heart's divided by white lines. So what am I supposed to do when that lane that I love is the lane that takes me further from you? So as I, I've listened to the song a million times, I've covered the song probably a million times. Uh, but on a deeper listen, I'm not even entirely sure that this song is a hundred percent 
how about physically cheating with another person? Then why is it on the list? Because it's still we're running out of time in our hour, cheating. and you're going on reading all the so- all the lyrics because it was relevant. It was totally relevant. Not even about cheating. Because I feel like it, it's the cheating where the cheating comes in is that it's about being in a stable relationship, but the other love is either about being on the road or about drugs but it's like cheating on fail it's not a fail Fail. at all listen i'm trying (laughs) to make a point here (laughs) that there is alternate forms of cheating you know when when you when you love something more sorry we didn't specify that this is cheating on your partner (laughs) i just wanted to get some some underground music out there into the ether well i'm glad you had to try so hard that you couldn't find something that actually fit (laughs) All right, go on. All right, next. Um, well, why don't we just uh, get to some straight talk here? Cue the lasers. We should actually just record something. That we we could keep put. saying this. We're yeah. not going to do it. No, we're going to do it. We got to do it. We'll do like an acoustic and a steel something of George to to intro this now recurring segment anyways um george Strait from what might be i don't know they're all my favorite album but if i had to choose one this would be really high up there does fort worth ever cross your mind from the greatest year ever 1984 and the song what did you expect me to do and it's you know it's pretty hard to find a george song about cheating uh there's a lot of like sad regretful songs and songs about heartache and about love and loss but about straight up about cheating not that many and this is one that i think i don't know to me is is the best one and it's uh talking about how like i i always cried each time you told a lie what did you expect me to do each time I forgave you, you grew bolder. Each time you hurt me, my heart grew colder. Sure, I loved, but I found someone new. What did you expect me to do? Pretty pretty classic, on point, heartbroken, cheating song. Pew, 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 pew. And done. On to the next. <laughs> Straight talk. Uh, I was going to get into some Whitey Morgan. Um, I had two songs, and I'll just... It's just basically I couldn't decide between either one of them, but... Um, it was, uh, one of them is my favorite song of his. Okay. I think it was probably cheating again, right? That's not my favorite song of his. Oh, so then it was the other one. I don't remember what the other one was. I got it on here somewhere. I'll hold her when she cries. Yeah. We used to cover that in the first iteration of my band way back years ago. Love that tune. What, what I liked about these songs is that cheating again is exactly what it is. It's sung from the cheater's perspective. It was, uh, it, it's one of my favorite songs off that album, which I, I think is my favorite album of his, is that first album, mm-hmm. uh, Honky Tonks me, and Cheap Motels. Yeah, me too. It's such a classic cheating song, basically talking about the thrill of doing it, the realization that your partner actually knows about it, and the inevitable guilt that when the deed is done. Um, then I think it's interesting uh, that the other song on this album, uh, you listen to it and it tells an entirely different side of the story. So the other song is Hold Her When She Cries, uh, talking about him watching this woman from afar uh, as her cheating, like rambling, honky tonk, and cliche husband. Uh, is playing Gavorton, uh, cheating, uh, cheating Gavorton. songs. <laughs> Had to get Gavorton in there. Concern it. Um, he's just, you know, her her husband is just this the classic honky tonk man, just like playing the cheating songs. All the girls are talking to him. Uh, one of the lines is like, "She's holding tight to a bottle. She sure is looking blue." All the angels that surround him. Uh, well, hell, that's nothing new. Um, and then basically he just goes on to resolve the story and it's sort of a happy ending, which you don't hear much. And, uh, that after all this time, 
of her just watching her cheating uh, husband play in the bars and do all this uh, horrible stuff uh, that from watching her afar after all this time, uh, he made the good, this good hearted woman his. So nice. Yeah. Um, we're starting to run down on time. So let's do these remaining few pretty quickly. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. So first up for me in rapid fire is from a table away by Sonny Sweeney. Love this song. Yeah, this is um, another song from the perspective of the other woman. Uh, uh, seeing the actual couple at a restaurant and still very much in love and juxtaposing that to the things he would have told her as the other woman, the lies or the justifications for doing something. Because she would have known that she was in a starting a relationship or flings or whatever was going on with someone in a relationship. And then being in this moment which is clearly at a restaurant a dark lit restaurant and she's sitting a table away and they don't realize she's sitting there he didn't recognize her and some of the lines are like i thought she was pretty she's nothing like the things you said the woman you described couldn't even turn your head so i guess that means things are better must not be so bad at home i thought it looked like you were leaving but it don't and I heard you tell her you still love her, so it doesn't matter what you say. I saw it all from a table away. It's an interesting perspective, right? It's not from the cheater's perspective. It's not from the person being cheated on. It's from the person being cheated with. Mm-hmm. I think this is the only song on our, either of our lists that's no, from that perspective. No, Stay was from that perspective, too. Oh, right. Yeah, the, the opposite one I did, of Because I didn't listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you jerk. <laughs> all right, next. Uh, I want to do a Coulter Wall song, uh, Kate McCannon. Um, I figured I'd throw another Coulter Wall in here, uh, song in here, and you're not allowed to make any John and Ca- Johnny Cash comparisons. And I decided that actually from here on That's out, all I was going to say. Was actually, it, I no, listened to it on your playlist. Hold on, hold on. Before you say anything, okay. I decided that from here on out, every time you make that comparison, okay. you have to buy me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree to that. <laughs> all right, all right. You know what? Here. Here you go. <laughs> Oh, this is an incoming beer. Pulling, I'm pulling a beer out of my cooler for Sean. <laughs> it's a tall boy. Oh, and no, not a Michelob Ultra. You, Why you is that even in your cooler? <laughs> I, I brought it for you. calories I brought, over I brought, here. I brought it specifically for you. So, so now, now that you've got my beer. Um, don't even say it. Man, Let me talk. We are, we're, we're pressed for time. get around it. We're pressed for time. It sounds like old Johnny Cash. What 22-year-old oh, sings Just like that? Shut it. Kate McCannon is an eerie tale of a scorned lover that in a fit of rage takes the life of the subject's sweetheart when he discovers her with another man. It's a tale as old as love itself, and it's why the murder ballad has been an institutional part of music making for so long. I don't even remember where I pulled that, that quote looks from. Like, I was going to say, that looks like you wrote it for Country Weekly. Or no, I, I pulled it from somewhere. I don't remember where. I forgot to write my source. But, you know, there's nothing like a good old-fashioned murder ballad. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty partial to murder ballads myself. Not that I condone violence, but there's just something really raw about most murder ballads, and I find that it's an interesting sort of juxtaposition between the instrumentation of country music and the dark lyrical content of most murder ballads. And we kind of talked about this earlier about, you know, the instrumentation of country music and cheating songs. But anyways, it's a great song. I just realized there's actually a video for this song that it, it came out in 2017. I had no idea there was actual music video for it. I watched it. It was pretty cool. So was it was black and white and grainy and slow looking like it was meant to be very old? No, it was just full of uh, clowns. It was just a clown video. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was like a John Wayne Gacy impersonator was in it. And no, but are you joking? Yeah, I'm totally fucking okay. with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Colter Wall's got a new album coming out soon, which would make three albums in three years. So excited to hear some new stuff from him. Wow. 
Good for him. Plowing. Plowing. Is that a reference to something? <laughs> no idea. You just decided to sing that? <laughs> I did. <laughs> All right. Um, now back to... Regular scheduled programming. <laughs> exactly. Uh, She's Not the Cheating Kind by Brooks and Dunn. Uh, maybe, if not the first, maybe the second song that came to mind in uh, in this list for me. Don't know why I saved it again for later on. But she's dressed to kill in a dress he bought her. She wouldn't care if he walked in and caught her. She's come to dance a dance or two, and no telling what by the time the night is through. She found out the hard way about him. She's about to find out what she'll do without him. Her hands are shaking. Her heart's pounding. By the way she's drinking, by the way she's drinking, his memory's drowning. She's not the cheating kind. She's been cheated one too many times. Oh, she's never fooled around. He's lying. She's through crying. She's not fooling now. It's so weird reading those lyrics because I just <laughs> right like she's she because you lose the rhythm and then you something sounds cheating. stupid and then like yeah <laughs> like just looking at that line it sings it in my head and just to read it out but I'm I don't a terrible even know singer. like it's good to read these lyrics out because we're trying to make points but it's like it's painful that we can't just play a little clip and yeah I don't know I don't know if it's painful for the listener to listen to us read lyrics. If anyone it's probably more painful in. of listening to me to sing the lyrics. So, <laughs> <laughs> she's <laughs> that's good. Uh, and that's from Waiting on Sundown in 1994. Big number one hit for them. All right, next. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm gonna jump into another one of my favorite songs of of late. It's a newer one. It's called uh, Is It Cheating? And it's by Bell Plain. And it was a good segue because Coulter Wall is also on this song, but he's basically just doing background vocals. Um, it's uh, off of her 2018 release, Malice, Mercy, uh, Grief, and Wrath. And uh, again, it's Bell Plain. This is a great album. Give it a listen. I, I, This song's really country. Some of the other stuff is more on the alt-country side, but still, she has a beautiful voice. Uh, she's Canadian. She's from Saskatchewan. Um, got some seriously choice lyrics in this song. Uh, is it cheating if you don't get laid? Is it a gig if you don't get paid? Is it a crying shame if my tears don't fall? Uh, the charges all were dropped. It don't change how you got caught. Is it a crying shame if my tears don't fall? Just a great all-around honky-tonk cheating song. And it's just got this killer piano solo right in the middle of it. And, you know, her voice is just beautifully accentuated by um, Coulter Wall's backing vocals. And just an all-around great, it sounds like a classic country song that's, you know, just came out last year. Cool. Um, hmm. I'm going to go Whose Bed Have Your Boots Been Under by Shania Twain. Ooh. I heard you've been sneaking around with Jill and what about that weekend with Beverly Hill and I've seen you walk in with Long Legs Louise and you weren't just talking last night with Denise. Whose bed have your boots been under? Whose heart did you steal, I wonder? This time did it feel like thunder, baby? And who did you run to? Like just the genius of rhyming all the girls names yeah and like it's just it's so good such a great song and i think one that really defined uh the 90s just overall i think that was the first single off of her second record which you know overall i'm not a big shania twain fan she went so hardcore pop that like i can't get over it but that second record, which I consider her first record because her first record really didn't have anything. But uh, The Woman in Me, easily top five or 10 records of the 90s overall, all things considered. And this uh, this is 
one of the main ones on there. Love, love this tune. So what, uh, what do you, what do you think the chances of me becoming, um, Shania Twain's trophy husband are like, give it to me straight. Like, I think I'm actually going to take a go, like try and make this happen. Mm, well, she had been through a major divorce with her husband, Mutt Lang, mm-hmm. who had cheated on her with her best friend. Yeah, and so I'm going to come in. Now. I'm, I'm a sensitive guy. And so she then got together with and married her best friend's husband, the the friend who had cheated with her husband. This all sounds very tumultuous. Sounds oh, like she needs like, somebody new in her it's, life. It's, it's like a partner swapping situation. And they're <laughs> apparently happy and married. I can I can get in there, I think, like right. and mess well, this up. Do you I, think maybe we could start like some sort of GoFundMe or like a social media campaign, something that could I will put me to the no forefront? I will be a party to some kind of cheating happening. I'm not cheating. Well, she would have to cheat with you because she's married. So that, oh, no, I just I'm mean like not into it. We just did a whole episode on cheating songs. That doesn't mean I'm into it. I'm not suggesting that Shania I'm very Twain not into it. Tw- cheats <laughs> tweets i was gonna say she tweets on me she can tweet on me all she likes <laughs> i'm not saying she cheats on her husband with me i'm just saying that you know maybe we we get to know each other a little better and then maybe they break up and then i become her new trophy husband hmm. yeah but the trophy <laughs> part <laughs> <laughs> listen i'm a young buck <laughs> Yeah, I suppose compared to her. Are we going to get into our shared songs? Uh, that'd be real fun. Unless, do you have anything left you want to talk about? Yeah, maybe a qu- couple quick honorable mentions. You better oh, honorable mention them quick. Something that I wanted to also, I probably should have earlier compared, but a couple other songs that could have been better if they weren't so pop or weren't so, I don't know, orchestrated the way that they were and sung the way they were. Carrie Underwood, Before He Cheats, and Taylor Swift should have said no. Again, in no way advocating Taylor Swift and Carrie Underwood in like a country country context, but these songs in the 2000s when they came out were some pretty defining like cheating songs in a modern, more pop country context. Not bad songs, but if they had been done differently, but like imagine Before He Cheats by Carrie Underwood done by Leanne Womack in a Leanne Womack kind of way. There's such a good burn on this song where she says that, Buying her some fruity drink because she can't shoot whiskey. Yeah. Like, that's a burn. That's such a hard mm. carve. I don't even like this song, but I like it. Yeah. Because of how hard of a carve that is. Totally. And <laughs> like, it's the same. I don't really love either of these songs, but just talking about the, the impact they made and being within, like, the, the realm of cheating songs, they're, they're good songs, but they could have been done better by someone else or done differently by them. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, and particularly because like, this is the era of like, I forget what year exactly these came out, but it was between 2004 and 2006, right in the middle of 2000s. That's the exact same era that, um, what, what else were we talking about? Gretchen Wilson, um, Stay, Leanne Womack, all of those songs came out in the same era. Like what a contrast in like real country, hardcore cheating songs and then like popified ones. Mm-hmm. And I guess that, like, obviously, I understand why there's a market for it. These were probably b- bigger selling hits, but I don't know. It was funny because I'd legit never heard that Carrie Underwood song. And that's why I sent you that Family Guy clip because when I listened to it on your list, I was like, oh shit, that's from that Family Guy. Family I'm guy. so <laughs> where Stewie was singing it. <laughs> I can't believe that's where you first heard that. 
another big honorable mention is the thunder rolls by garth brooks and uh, i'm not going to go uh, read through the lyrics but that's yeah, please that, don't <laughs> um another one my last honorable mention is dale watson cheating heart attack i've got this sensitive condition aggravated by bars and neon lights and bedroom eyes all painted up fast ladies and slow songs i feel a cheating heart attack coming on that album was put out in 1995 and i was looking at the cover and dale fucking watson looks exactly the same then as he does now (laughs) like that guy must be a total lady killer like i assume well maybe he's not married i don't know i remember when i met him i was just like god damn dude like Yeah, impressive. Impressive career on that uh, that dude, too. Like uh, He's been just going forever, and he looks like he's yep. no signs of stopping. Yep. All right. We doing our dual yep. double duty songs? Which one do you want to do first? Let's start with a little AJ. She just started liking cheating songs. <laughs> Ellen know, Jackson. You know, this is... Uh, cover of John Anderson. Yeah. It first came out in 1980. Yeah. And musically, they're pretty much the same, orchestrated almost identically, but updated. The Alan Jackson version is way better, in my opinion. And the John Anderson version has this like cheesy choruses yeah. and backups and everything that I don't like. Sounds very like Nashville sound, um, <laughs> post Nashville sound. Oddly and, enough, it, it hit. Uh, when John Anderson released it in 1980, it hit number 13 on Billboard. And then when Alan Jackson, it was never released as a single for Alan Jackson. It was a B, uh, not a B-side. It was just on the album in 1999 really? under the influence. Never a single. And it still charted number 72 on Billboard due to unsolicited airplay. So pretty much just radio stations wanting to play it on their own. That's what I was about to say is that I'm surprised to hear that it was not a single because I 100% heard that on the radio a lot when this was out. This yeah. is this is high school era for me like unsolicited yeah. airplay. That's a cool thing, man. Yeah. Like but also someone really dropped the ball on that like on the label for not releasing for not it as a single cuz cuz it's I not guarantee the first you. time he had a cover that was a huge hit like Tall Tall Trees. Yeah. Yeah. Which is George Jones, right? Yep. Um this uh, this could have been top five for sure. Like, if, if the John Anderson 1980 version hit number 13 and yeah. this hit 72 yeah. with unsolicited, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, the power trying. of yeah, Alan exactly. Jackson, man. Yep. Um, yeah, choice lines. Eh? Like, I don't know if it's the cheating she like or just the melody. <laughs> yeah. You can't, he, almost what we were talking about earlier, I forget what song it was in reference to, but you can't blame a body for looking when there's a world of people out there, but I hope that she's not taking any closer looks. I tell you lately, frankly, I've been scared because she just started liking cheating songs and what's bothering me. I don't know if it's the cheating she likes or just the melody. Yeah. (laughs) So good. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, we'll round it out with something that I assume is not either of our favorite cheating songs, (laughs) but it's definitely the fucking funniest cheating song on the list. In like... In as much as you can like a cheating song for like appreciating it in like a positive way. <laughs> yes. There's nothing positive about the message about this, but it's so well written. And that's again, I think we've <laughs> talked about Wheeler Walker before. He's obviously the most crude guy there is. In so country. we're talking about fucking around by Wheeler Walker Jr. is the song. Yeah. And he's like the most crude guy in the genre, but everything he does is just 
musically so good and the songs are so funny that it's it's not just like a weird al yankovic situation where he's going over the same instrumentation with like funny words this is like original songs written like hilarious original yeah and like produced by dave cobb and like great musicians on the session and apparently like i used i listened to through his podcast and in a, a number of different interviews with him and talking about when they're in these sessions and the the guys come in and all the players are looking around like are you serious? <laughs> that's that's what we're doing? And it's like, yeah, yeah, this is not a joke. And then when they realize it's not a joke, they love it. And you, you get these like very country, country songs that are also hilariously ridiculous. Yeah. But oddly a little bit progressive. Like I, I don't like some of them are just straight, like yeah, toilet humor. Yeah. And unprogressive. But, you know, I find this song almost like... <laughs> It almost turns the whole country music male cheating stereotype on its ear because in the sense that it's the guy admitting that he's cheating and he's about to apologize and the girl kind of is like, whoa, hold on, hold on. Don't apologize just yet. I've, I've got some shit I maybe need to tell you about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Been on the road. It sure gets being on the road. It sure gets lonely. Well, sitting in this house gets lonely too. I've been working all night on this apology. Well, hold your horses because I got one for you. <laughs> I love that back and forth just after the solo where, so, okay, these lines I'm going to read are said back and forth between. Why don't uh, you read one and I'll read the other. All right. This is going to be a bit weird, but. Yeah, yeah. I had twin sisters. Oh, wait. Uh, I, I don't see the line where we're at. Oh, it was, well, I had twin sisters. Oh, yeah, I got it. I had the bank manager. <laughs> My bass player's wife. Well, I never liked her. <laughs> I gotta admit, this is hurting me some. I probably shouldn't tell you that I had a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody take those quotes out of context between Andrew and I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of duet cheating songs out there. This song's pure gold. No, oh, yeah, it's so great. It's so funny. Didn't you tell me a story about this song? As um, long as you're coming clean, I guess I'll come clean too. <laughs> while you were fucking around on me, I've been fucking, fucking around, around on, on you. you. <laughs> so good. You know that this was supposed to be original. Well, it was actually originally recorded with Marin Morris as the. Uh, okay, as the that's what I was about to ask you. It was it was Marin Morris, but she's on Sony, and Sony executives pulled it last minute and uh wouldn't even let her change her name on it she couldn't she couldn't be on it and that's she's in that band we were just talking about right yeah uh, the high, high women, women? yeah, yeah. she also awesome. has like she, i think girl might still be number one or was number one last week or a couple weeks ago but uh she's pretty good I've, I've been hot and cold on her um she is obviously very capable of very country songs and we've seen it in the past and we're seeing it now with the high women but also a lot of very pop country ish Carrie Underwood kind of I don't know when you get that that it girl that can skyrocket to superstardom that is a country star you see the countryness in her but then you also get the pop elements that come out for those big number ones um but it's very cool that she wanted to and did record this with him but then it got pulled and it ended up actually being Nikki Lane who recorded this one and I love her voice again I think I've mentioned this before I'm not a huge fan of all of her music it just it, it leans to kind of I don't know alt country rockabilly yeah she's pretty me. badass live I've seen her live before yeah she's super cool I love everything about her except the music specifically and a great voice and everything but I, I, don't, I don't find myself really leaning into her playlists but 
hear actually i think my favorite things of hers are when she is duetting with people that i've otherwise really liked anyways it's it's under the moniker casey walker but it's (laughs) uh actually nikki lane all right well uh what do you think i'm trying to think of what we should listen to next um i think we ended the last one saying we're gonna go listen to some wheeler walker jr so maybe we should listen to something else sugarland sugarland hell let's listen to sugarland fucking no, I'm about to throw this fucking mic at you. All right. Well, you need to learn more about Leanne Womack. So why don't we throw on some of the the queen of 2000s country, Leanne Womack. All right. Should we drink some wine spritzers? I think she drinks wine spritzers. <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> I feel like she's like a straight whiskey kind of woman. All right. I'm going to drink this PBR. Okay. Good enough. <laughs> Country, country music. 